everyone. Welcome to the One Million Cups Fargo podcast. One Million Cups is a free nationwide weekly program created by the Kauffman Foundation in 2012 and is designed to educate, engage, and connect entrepreneurs. One Million Cups is organized in 35 states across the country, and the Fargo, North Dakota chapter is one of the most active and largest in the nation. This week, we heard from Fargo native Manish Opti. Manish graduated from Stanford University as a Mayfield Fellow in the university's prestigious technology venture program. He has experience with several Silicon Valley startups, but decided to make a big change in order to start up his latest venture. Let's listen to Manish's story. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, What a warm welcome. It is such an honor to be here in Fargo, in my hometown, uh, presenting in front of all of you today. Uh, So, like Scott said, my name is Manish. I'm co-founder of a company called Sprout Software. We're a startup building software for food distributors to help them operate and grow their businesses. Uh, So, today I'm going to tell you two stories. Just two? That's it. Uh, The first one is about my father, who is my co-founder in this venture, and the events leading up to the founding of this company. The story starts in the early 90s, when my dad quit his IBM job of 14 years and started his own software company here in Fargo. Uh, Naturally, being in Fargo, he had some buddies of his who were in the commodity distribution space, uh, with particular emphasis on food. Uh, These are commodities, things like dried fruit, nuts, oats. Imagine, essentially, these food distributors are people who work with the growers or some some origin source, uh, get truckloads of it, and then give it out to some end products, like granola bars, that then gets consumed by the end consumer. Uh, And so he got together with his buddies, early 90s, and helped and built software to help them with some of their core business needs. Uh, Some of these needs... A lot of different things, but essentially some of them being being able to manage their buy and sell contracts, uh, being able to document and track the logistics, the compliance, and all these kinds of things associated with the physical good, and uh, be able to visualize their forward profit and their positions um, on the commodities that they were actually buying. Uh, so I'm going to pause here just for sake of the audience. Some of you might not be as familiar with some of these industry terms, so I'm just going to give you an example here just to kind of really uh, drive this home and tell you about why this is actually a hard problem to solve. Uh, just a show of hands, how many people have uh, traded a, a stock on like E-Trade or TD Ameritrade or something, I don't know, Robinhood? Yeah, cool. So quite a few people, right? So in that case, when you buy a stock on one of these apps, it's pretty straightforward. You buy it at a fixed price and it digitally is transferred to you or whatever, and it's, it's a one-time kind of thing, right? Uh, but in this business for food distributors, it's a little different. Uh, they're buying truckloads of some good, say 10 truckloads of peanuts from some grower. And those, that, all those truckloads don't just show up at their doorstep all at once. They make a, a fixed price agreement over a period of time. So imagine one truckload per month showing up at their doorstep for the next 10 months for 10 truckloads, and they get a fixed price for that. So because there's a timeline, the, a few months later, the market price for peanuts can actually change. It can go up. And if it goes up, they actually have a positive position, and they can turn around and sell those peanuts for a profit. On the flip side, it could also go down. And if it goes down, then that actually represents a loss. And so you can see how it can get confusing to actually visualize all this data for one commodity alone. But imagine trading 
hundreds of commodities or sourcing hundreds of these and having multiple people at the company doing this all at the same time. It can get very confusing. And so the software actually helped them visualize that. But furthermore, since it's actually a, a physical good, a food good, there's a bunch of compliance and regulation. There's logistics, right, because it's actually a big truckload full of peanuts. It's, if you don't do it right, it's going to show up to your doorstep, and you're going to be like, I don't know what to do with this, right? It's not just like a digital stock that you just buy on one of these uh, uh, E-Trade accounts or whatever. And so there's a bunch of documentation and paperwork that goes along with transporting a food physical good. And so the software that my dad wrote at the time, this is 25 years ago, uh, helped them with this, and he used the technology that was available at that time. So fast forward to a few years ago, uh, really exciting that firm that he worked with sold for millions of dollars, and uh, the founders of that company credited my dad's software as part of the reason why they were able to have success. Uh, so a few things happened in between the end and the, the start and the end of the story, uh, and in my opinion, some important things, uh, one of them being I was born. Uh, and uh, so I was born here in Fargo. Uh, went to Davies High School, uh, went to Stanford, had the opportunity to go to Stanford, studied computer science, uh, have held multiple software jobs at startups in Silicon Valley, and have deep expertise in modern software technology. Uh, and so at the end of last year, I quit my job, and I wanted to start my own company, kind of similar to what my dad did back in the 90s. And so I was, when I was riffing on ideas with my dad, we realized that fast forward 25 years later, the problems for food distributors are still very painfully felt. Uh, the problems that he solved 25 years ago, a lot of people still feel those problems. But furthermore, what's more kind of interesting is that the software that they use kind of looks and feels similar to the stuff that my dad wrote 25 years ago. This is clearly an industry that hasn't caught up to the modern software technologies that everyone's familiar with today that they see on their phone. And so we thought that there is an opportunity. And that kind of brings me to the, the second story that I'd like to tell you guys about, which is what we view as a great opportunity to bring modern software technology to food distributors to help them operate and grow their businesses and truly bring this industry into the 21st century. So I'll give you an example based on the status quo of some of the tooling that, the, um, that current food distributors use. Um, they're super expensive, takes hundreds of thousands of dollars just to get up and running. Um, it takes over a year to implement those solutions. And the usability, it's, it's kind of tough to use. It's, you can imagine you know, some kind of software that feels kind of old. It's not as easy to use as an app on your phone sort of thing. We, we're going to change every single one of those, those aspects of what's happening in the status quo. And we're going to do it using modern software technologies. Uh, so let's take the cost. Uh, we there have been really interesting advancements in technology in modern coding languages that allow one development team to build it once, to build a product once, and be able to deploy to everywhere, to web, iPhone, Android. So let me, let me repeat, let me rephrase that. What that means is that we can have our development team have 3x the amount of output compared to our competitors by using some of these modern technologies which means we can have a super lean team developing a really high quality product and it's easy to maintain. And what that means is that we have enormous cost savings and we can pass that value on to the end customer and we can price accordingly. So that's about the cost. Uh, now about the implementation time. Uh, we're building a truly cloud native ground up solution 
Um, and we are using some advancements, recent advancements in database architecture, which allows us to actually have no customization needed when we get a new user, a new client, a new firm on our platform. It's as easy as essentially creating an account on Amazon. So in stark contrast to the current players that have that need a year's worth of time to actually implement some kind of custom solution with a custom database schema and whatnot. And so we're changing that. And furthermore, the usability. Since we're using modern technologies, it'll look and feel like apps that you currently use on your phone. So we're getting pretty, as you can tell, we're getting pretty excited about the opportunity that we have in front of us. And uh, we're, we're very excited to be able to be on this path and this journey. And so, in closing, I just want to say I'm so grateful to this community um, for having us today. Uh, One Million Cups actually has a really special place in my heart. Uh, I actually used to intern for, One for Emerging Prairie. I used to be one of the students who used to support the entrepreneurs on this stage. And uh, it's an amazing feeling to be on the other end of that. Uh, I want to thank this community so much for being a part of my journey up until this point, And thank everyone for coming today to be a part of this new journey. Thank you so much, everyone. After Manisha's presentation, he was joined by his father for a Q&A section. This week's Q&A was hosted by Scott Meyer, the Osmond Executive Director of Entrepreneurship at North Dakota State University. Let's listen in. Now you can uh, raise your hand and we have mic runners that'll come around. You can also use the hashtag 1MCFAR on Twitter. Um, but I just wanted to ask before we get into the details, uh, Dalip, could you tell us what's it like working with your son? You can use the mic, yeah, well, we'll turn you on here. Uh, it's really uh, interesting <laughs> <laughs> because uh, when uh, your kids are about 15 or so, you can't do anything right. <laughs> and, uh, but there is something good about that too because uh, five years later, you start getting smarter. And, and you don't have to do anything. <laughs> so I have passed that five-year mark by quite a bit. So I think I've become a lot smarter. <laughs> it's working out well. I'm, I'm glad you clarified, because I thought he was 15 looking at him. So that's good that we clarified that piece. So, yeah. um, so before we kick it over to the audience, Manish, just give us the rundown, the nuts and bolts on how you make money, what the cost structure looks like, and kind of where you're at in, in uh, sure. customer acquisition. Sure. So uh, in terms, so I'll, I'll do the latter part first. In terms of customer acquisition, we have some really amazing business partners um, who are on the path with us on the journey. One of them sitting in the audience here, Randy. And, uh, they have a food distribution firm, and so we're essentially building the software with them in tandem with their business. Um, and so that's essentially from the customer acquisition part. Um, in terms of the pricing and the cost structure, um, we, we are able, so I was telling you that we're in the cloud, we're using a kind of modern technologies. Uh, this allows us to actually uh, have a revolutionary new kind of business model, um, a freemium business model. So. Uh, you, might have, you might be familiar, a lot of people are pro probably familiar with this model. Uh, if you guys have like a Netflix account, Spotify account, or Amazon Prime account, they probably let you try it out for free for like 30 days. Uh, and then once you see the value in the service that you have, then you subscribe with a monthly fee. Uh, that's, that doesn't happen currently in the, in the, in the industry uh, because it requires customized setup and all these kinds of things. But we want to offer that 
freemium model, and we can because we're on the cloud and using modern technologies. And so we believe that that will not only um, drive the cost down for existing players, but also expand, uh, talking about customer acquisition, expand the market in a way um, to kind of smaller people who aren't able to access some of these, um, the software for firms that want like hundred, hundred, hundreds of thousands of dollars just to start up. And so it's a pretty exciting uh, prospect for us to actually expand the market in this sense. Uh, so just raise your hand if you have a question. We'll kick it over to the audience here. And while we're finding our first question, uh, so what is the biggest barrier right now? So when we think about you going from where you're at, it sounds like you're making a lot of progress. What is the challenge? Is it getting customers? Is it the technology? Is it talent? Like, what is the piece that, you're, that keeps you up at night most? So, <laughs> familial relations. Yeah, I had to put up with my dad, but no. I'm um, so I'd say it's twofold. Um, one is hiring, and so this is super important. Like, we are a software company, um, and so uh, finding the best talent, right? It's always, I think, for any business owner, it's a perpetual thing. And so, if you guys, anyone in the audience is a aspiring uh, software engineer, or uh, you know, excited, or has some experience, or is new, new and fresh, but just excited to to be a part of a fast-growing team, uh, come, please come talk to us. So that's one. Uh, and then I think the other part, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say that this is a, something that keeps me up at night, but uh, definitely, I mean, the more the more customers, the merrier, right? And uh, I think what we're what we're doing is uh, really trying to change the way that business is done and be able to provide more value for the people in the industry. So uh, if anyone knows anyone who's in this space, uh, we'd love to talk to them. Great. All right, we have a question here, I think, Preston? Yeah. I'm just wondering what a five-year game plan kind of looks like for you guys in this type of industry. Yeah, good. That's a great question. So in terms of five-year, um, so lots, a lot of things can change in a startup, right? So it's even, even within like a year or two, it's, it's gets a little cloudy, but I think in terms of the general direction where we're going, um, we think that because of this freemium model, actually being able to acquire customers will be a lot different. They'll actually come to us in a way once word of mouth gets out. So it's actually a pretty niche industry in a way. Um, there aren't many food distributors um, in the, the world in the country. There are quite a on the order of thousands, ten thousands, but um, in terms of what we believe we're, we're doing, we're essentially monopolizing a niche. We're doing something really, really well for a smaller group of people. And then from there, the software actually expands to other kinds of commodities. We have other ideas about actually once we have people on this platform, being able to provide more value for them, um, kind of lateral jumps. You know, like in the beginning, Amazon only sold books, right? And then they expanded to other product categories. Uh, the similar analogy is what we're thinking about. And I think that in terms of what that is five years from now, We'll find out. You know, kind of you have to go roll with the punches and, and figure out what we're doing for day one here. But uh, that's kind of the general direction. Thanks for asking that question. Yep, we got a question back right here. There's a mic next to you. Yep. I was wondering if uh, how much money have you raised, and if you have a connection to Silicon Valley. Yeah. So we haven't raised any money from Silicon Valley. Um, we do have connections there. Uh, I. I'm thankful to be able to have gone to, gone to school out there, um, and I know quite a few people out there. Uh, and as Scott uh, continues to mention, I split my time between SF and here. Uh, but uh, we have done a, a small seed round, but of course, if people are excited about this and from the investor perspective, we're always open ears and always happy to talk. 
Sounds great. Well, let me just let me just jump on that question. I think the the, the gentleman has a small startup, right? We're really glad you're here. Uh, he'll be a part of an announcement later this morning. But um, he helps startups by providing acceleration, right? And I'm curious. You know, you've been at Stanford. Uh, you've had different experiences. And to leap, you know, you started a company 25 years ago. So I'm curious. What do you think is is here now, either in North Dakota or in California, that have, that's helped the most? Like, what should we really be thinking about? We meet someone like you. What can we provide them that really helps them take the leap? And maybe something you've noticed to leap over the years that's, that's had an impact. Yeah. To, be honest, uh, to be honest, I really don't know what somebody else can do. It has to come from within. Okay. It has to come from him. It has to come from his team, from us. And we are really blessed with some uh, good customers that give us a lot of advice. So... Uh, that's the important thing. We already have existing customers that are using it. That is the biggest value, I think, mm -hmm. because that tells us what's really important. Right. Because we can think of a product and do a really good job <laughs> until somebody starts until using someone tries it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's like, uh, you know, my hero in politics, uh, John McCain used to say, the Pentagon has uh, a plan for every conceivable situation <laughs> until the first bullet is fired. Yeah. And then it all goes to hell. <laughs> <laughs> so we are really happy that we have along with us some customer base yeah. that's using it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really the key, I think. And uh, to kind of add on to that, I think the the idea, so what my dad's saying is exactly right. The idea that you have people in the beginning who believe in you. Um, I mean, in the beginning, right, when you're starting a company, I mean, there, I, there's quite a few business owners in here, and I, I'm sure all of you will understand this. When it's just you starting out, it's really just a story, an idea, and you have to breathe it, breathe it into existence, right? And the people that are along the way that you meet, there are a lot of people who kind of say, oh, it seems cool, yeah, but you know, it's not for me sort of thing. I get a lot of no's. Um, but those few people who really believe in you in the beginning are the people who are actually um, part of the reason why you're able to actually iterate and actually find something that you're going to be able to be able to build and provide value. And I think what's cool about this uh, platform here, One Million Cups, Emerging Prairie, uh, is that they, at least for me personally, uh, throughout my life, they've always been the first believer, right? Like, Emerging Prairie gave me an internship before I had any internships, right? It's kind of one of those chicken and egg problems where no one wants to give you a job because you don't have any experience, but then how do you get experience if you don't have a job? You know, so so it's kind of one of those things. It's really too bad your your father didn't hire you. You know, he had to wait till someone else know, did really before he trusted you. Yeah. No, I, I I would like to make a comment on that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I think the best place for somebody to get good experience is somewhere else, not in in your own business. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're always the boss's kid. Yeah. Doesn't work, in my opinion. Yeah. No, that's great. Well, that's what they told me when I interviewed. But. Yeah, that's right. That's the excuse. Uh, so you can tweet in your questions, hashtag 1MCFAR. We did have someone who was worried about you needing a seed round to get some socks. And so that was one thing that somebody had asked about. Um, but you mentioned customers being so important and people giving you feedback. So. What can we do in this audience to get you customers maybe in this region? Like, what would be an ideal customer? Uh, you mentioned some people are already here, but uh, who are people we might know that should, should talk to you? 
so food distributors, um, anyone who is essentially either food distributors, manufacturers, um, there, there's a few different words as we're, as we've been getting into this industry, um, realize that there's a lot of different words to describe kind of the same kind of things. Um, but anyone who it has a, some kind of firm that is uh, sourcing ingredients like uh, these nuts, dried fruits um, for some kind of end product, and they're sourcing them maybe by the truckload from maybe direct from the grower or from maybe some of the larger markets and uh, importing them in and menu, maybe doing some processing and all that kind of stuff. Um, any one of those people who have those firms are people we would love to talk to and build relationships with and learn from um, and see if this, this product is a fit for them. Mm -hmm. Great. Basically, uh, anybody that thinks in their own business when they are buying quite a few things, selling quite a few things, and have trouble matching the purchases with sales and keeping track of what's the profitability month by month by month, they should give us a call. Okay. I think I, I know some people like that. Uh, other questions, go ahead and raise your hand or, or tweet in uh, your question with hashtag 1MCFAR. Let's see if we have any others before I dominate the uh, stage here. Uh, we got one up front here. Thank you guys for presenting. Uh, I just wanted to ask, is, is this something that would ever end up in the hands of a farmer driving in their truck to sell their commodities, kind of like the bushel app? I, I think this software starts where bushel software ends because we are not trying to improve the business of an elevator or the grower. What we are trying to do is once somebody wants to buy that product from the, uh, it has to be delivered from the elevator. But whoever is buying it, he is also finding a home for that product somewhere else. We are trying to improve that business's productivity not the farmer to the elevator. That's a different market and very different challenges. We kind of understand those challenges, but, but we are not in that space. Thank you for that question. Yeah, and maybe kind of going off of that, speak a little bit to your experience growing up in North Dakota, obviously. Did that influence a little bit on this idea? Or, or you know, I always tell my students, like, fall in love with a problem instead of a solution. So how did you really decide this was the problem I want to spend my time on? You mentioned, you know, kicking around ideas for a year, trying to figure out what to do. So yep. why, why this problem? Um, I think it's, it's definitely part of the, the roots of where I'm from. Uh, obviously, you know, the story I told about my dad being here as well, uh, and having that, just being within the proximity of people who have these problems and really learning about their needs and uh, being in a position to solve those problems is also really an incredible feeling. And so when I, when I was thinking about, you know, something to be able to start and actually get a product out with people and actually have them start using it, um, this kind of seemed like a combination of everything that I was looking for in the sense that we have such deep industry expertise um, and knowledge and uh, about the pain points that food distributors are facing, but also on the flip side, we're also in a unique p position to be able to actually help them um, and use modern software technologies to actually um, provide a lot of value. Great. Yeah. You know, what he said makes a lot of sense for him and his generation that grew up here. Okay. I'm going to give you a little different perspective on 
how do you decide what product and why this? You, at least myself, I don't think about, okay, I'm going to start a business and what am I going to do? Because that's only an idea in my own mind. Until I find somebody who says it is a problem that needs to be fixed, I don't believe it. So, I think, in, in my opinion, if you can't find somebody that can identify a problem that you can fix, you're just a giant in your own mind. <laughs> but that's me. Yeah. So, anyway. I think I'll play that to every student I teach. I think that's really important. I think we have one more question here from Barb, and then I'll, I'll wrap it up. Um, so I see this is really egg-focused. Is there energy um, applications that you can also do with different different fields of energy in all forms, solar, gas, oil, all that kind of thing? No. We are not in that space. <laughs> Appreciate the question. We, we, would, <laughs> we, would like to, we would like to be excellent at something, one thing. Books first, then everything else later. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but maybe Ray, you could help uh, help find someone, right? So you can do that. Okay, Ray is the guy to talk to you. So you know, the final question we always ask for all of our speakers is, how can this community help you take Sprout Software forward? What can the Fargo Moorhead One Million Cups community do to help? Um, so we are hiring uh, very actively, specifically software engineers, uh, people who are excited about being at an up-and-coming startup, um, excited about working hard and being a part of something um, small, but something that can grow really big really quickly. And so if you know anyone, um, they can be in school still, about to graduate, or they could ha be, have years of experience. We're looking for anyone and everyone who's uh, curious and excited, fast learner, um, to be hired on our team. And so that's one. And then also, I guess, on the customer side, we're always uh, excited to talk to new prospective customers, uh, food distributors, people who are potential clients of our product. Um, that only helps us make a better product. Um, it only helps us fuel the business and continue to grow. Well, you are in luck because it's the first Wednesday of the month, which means it's live job board. So you can come pitch your job in just a moment. But first, let's give uh, uh, Dalip and Manish a huge round of applause for sharing their idea and coming home. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's it for this week's One Million Cups Fargo. Thanks for listening. One Million Cups Fargo is powered by Emerging Prairie, an organization dedicated to connecting and celebrating the entrepreneurial ecosystem. We'd also like to thank the following sponsors for their support. Midco, the Fargo-Moorhead CVB, the FM Area Foundation, the City of Fargo, Pro Resources, and the Kilbourne Group. A special thank you to North Dakota State University's The Nice Center for this week's audio. See you next time.